Hey guys, welcome back to the Avoiding Broke podcast with me, Jermaine. And guys, for anybody who's actually watching this on YouTube or online, and you're wondering, what on earth is he wearing? Right, I'm going to just come out with it now. It is called an hoodie. It is essentially a... It's, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a hoodie, but a quilt. Um, I can't describe it any other better way other than to say I'm a very big guy and my hoodie can comfortably come all the way around me, engulf most of my body and keep me incredibly warm. So in the winter, it is amazing. And so I'm kind of loving it here because we're in London and the weather is kind of turning a little bit. Um, so hopefully that will answer the first question, which is what on earth has that guy got on? And the second point is just thinking about you know, what I just wanted to share and just think through a little bit today, which is the investing outlook. You know, like it's it's one of the things that we kind of got in the habit of doing, which was just to share um, pretty much our quarterly investing decisions. You know, a big thing that we do here is to at least go through, um, look at our portfolio, have a think about what we're currently invested in. You know, does does it kind of still make sense? What might we want to move into a little bit more? And just try to be, just stay on point and stay engaged with, with how the economy is working out, with how normal people like us are kind of faring, and if there are better opportunities for us. So it's something that we like to do kind of quarterly. It's more a reflection on the different assets that we have. And it also then probably touches on some broader questions as well um, about just broader investing decisions. And it looks at kind of old or let's say established asset classes as well as some new ones as well. So I guess the first thing that I just probably want to touch on is just thinking about cash and almost like the lessons that it feels like have been there for all of us to learn when we think about whatever cash we may be lucky enough to have right now. It's it's just, I just don't think it's been that good. I mean, if you think, right, that we had a lot of um, stimulus. So uh, stimulus is effectively like fake money getting printed um, to help people in need. So I'm, I'm all for giving people help, no problem whatsoever. Um, what it did mean for some people is that they had bigger cash reserves than they would expect. So, for example, in the States, every citizen, regardless of what they were earning, got a stimulus check. So, you know, when you actually receive that, and some for some people it was just kind of like true extra money, it helped you build up a bit of a cash pot. And, you know, you've naturally got this question, which is, well, what do we do with cash? We were in a bit of a situation where we had a bit of extra cash, not a huge amount, to be fair, but we had a little bit of extra. And the one thing that didn't make any sense to me was to put it in a savings account. Like, just looking at them and just looking at the options that they were giving, it just seemed... It it, it really seemed like there was just an, an obvious negative return. You know, it's almost like when you think about the, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, he tells you really clearly the rich, the rich don't work for money. That the rich work, or if they're working, they buy assets. And then those assets, they cash flow and they can appreciate. So the rich don't work for, for, for paper money in and of itself. Because over time, the value of that goes down. And, and that's kind of really where my brain's been at. So, you know, with any bit of excess money going in and putting things in savings accounts it didn't it just didn't make any sense to me having a rainy day fund is a little bit different because based on your life circumstances you want to have a pot to cover basic emergencies you know and i'm literally thinking like if your boiler goes or you know if you need to sort something out with your heating or plumbing 
um, real core emergencies. You know, if someone breaks into your house and you've got to repair a window or something's not covered on the on home emergency cover, you know, that kind of really fundamental stuff um, is what a basic buffer would do. A larger buffer would cover a number of months' salary and, you know, that covers a number of different things. But just saving for the sake of it, I'm not too sure. You know, looking forward to where we're going to be in um, in Q4, it, it, again, it's you know, we're in Q4 now, it's really not looking that great. And if you look and think that across the world, we're hearing more and more noise about inflation. So what inflation means, just in, a, in, in the most basic sense, is that the actual cost of goods increases over time. You know, so if you think about the price of things increasing over time, and just imagine my hand represents that increase, for a lot of wages, they stay flat. So that means over time, the gap between the cost of items and your wages increases. And that gap in itself causes problems for a lot of people. So I'll kind of just wrap, that, wrap, this, wrap this thought up because it feels like it's a bit of an extended thought process, which is to say, if you've got extra cash, I think be mindful, you know, not my gut feeling, and this is certainly not financial advice. It's just to say, I think be mindful of just keeping cash for cash sake. Um, because the availability of savings products truly isn't that great. And with impending inflation, the value of your cash deteriorates over time. You know, I think it's pushing us far more towards kind of an asset rich, asset holding type of environment. But again, we need to be really super careful. You know, when you think about assets that you could have, well, stock markets have been, for my gut feel, highly unpredictable not at all tempting places to go and park a chunk of money you know I think those days of just say buying a random index fund and just keeping your money there and not worrying about it and you're going to get eight percent returns I, I, I can't see those days happening right now it's not to say it won't um, I'm just talking about our personal investing decision it really doesn't seem like that's the kind of option that you have and so in the absence of that that kind of comfort or confidence well you know, I think you've got to find other 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 sources of um, of investment, other asset classes, to maybe try to get some returns. You know, I, I still think there could be a huge amount of value in the stock market. And one really interesting thing is if you just look at the trend um, across, I'm going to say kind of global influencers for buying th- and by influencers, I mean I mean more like um, politicians or more influential people in that kind of sphere, not like a social media influencer. If you look at people who are influential in that kind of governmental, quasi-governmental sphere, actually there's a really high appetite for tech stocks. Um, in the US, I don't know if you know this, but in the US you can see a very open register of all the different stocks um, that all members of the House of Government are actually trading in. Um, I thought it was really fascinating and there are some really interesting trades there and it's very heavily indexed towards tech stocks. Um, so it, definitely one worth checking out. I think if, you, if you're interested and if you want to just see, if you could literally Google it um, and you can find the list of what the members of the House of, um, of Government are actually investing in. So I think tech stock could always, always have a great future. And particularly when you think these last... Well, it's been almost two years now um, since we've been living in this COVID time. When you think about it, it's been the tech giant to have really thrived. You know, they've they've done incredibly well, created massive individual wealth for the owners, but also huge wealth for investors. Um, they've done su- supremely well. And the platform they've got to build further is incredible. So there could be a lot of value there. 
one other question that I often get is, is so, so, so I think, so for me, I mean, just to kind of close that point off, I'm, I'm staying, I think, fairly bullish on tech stocks. Um, I chose to rotate a fair chunk of my pension pots. I've got, I think I've got four or maybe five pension pots. I can't quite remember now um, from my different um, employers, both past and present. And I've rotated a decent chunk into tech stocks. Um, I also keep a personalizer. Uh, and again, that is almost 100% in tech stocks. It's Look, it feels a little bit risky, to be quite honest. It's, I'm not, I certainly wouldn't advocate everybody else does it, but I'm just making some decisions based on, just based on the fact that, that I think we've, you know, we've moved in, we've long moved into this whole tech revolution. The, the question I think that is quite interesting now is just how much and how quickly does technology really mature? You know, it's not a question of is is tech the, the the big driving force of the development of the world. I think it's just a question of how quickly does it really mature. I think to bet on certain big tech players feels to me to be a relatively safer bet, even than say betting on just like an, a random index of of a hundred stocks. So I'm kind of I'm kind of moving that way and have have made some decisions. It's a gamble, um, but it's it, it's one of all of them that I'm probably most comfortable on. So. So, yeah, so, you know, so you think just to summarise kind of the last few minutes, you know, we're, we're really kind of not looking to hold as much cash, can see the benefit in a buffer, of course, can always see the benefit in a buffer. But conventional savings don't quite look as appealing um, convent, in terms of conventional investments. I think for me, I'm certainly more bullish towards the equity side. It's, it's just my preference. And I think over time, you know, you've got I've got a lot. I'm young enough that I can absorb the kind of the peaks and troughs. Of, of a cycle so I can hopefully hit the upside so probably going to be investing more in the tech stocks um, being a little bit more careful about just normal basket of goods but everyone's got to do their own research that's the, that's, that's the crucial thing um, there is a place for bonds and of course bonds always make up a part of a balanced portfolio now if you're not sure absolutely the best thing to do is to go and get advice and if you're not sure even if you wanted to ask me a question I'm happy to point you towards some decent sources of information um, but for me there, my weighting of bonds to stocks has probably decreased slightly. Um, and that's just because I still remain, I don't know, fairly optimistic about a few key tech players. So, and, and that's kind of showing a little bit. Um, so when you then think about, I, I, I guess you've got other interesting investment vehicles, like particularly say like real estate. Now that's always a fascinating one because real estate over time has been, um, a phenomenal, phenomenal vehicle for, for wealth and value creation. Um, what we have seen in the UK at present is that we had some great stimulus, effectively stimulus for the real, for the, for the real estate housing market, um, which basically gave us a relief on stamp duty and that stopped at the end of September. So what does it really mean? Well, it looks like some activity is slowing a little bit. I mean, you've, you've got what you'd call a tail. So it's some activity that's kind of been stuck in the pipeline deals that haven't quite got over the line and so they're still filtering through now but the expectation is that there's going to be a tail off a, a reduction in investment simply because you're not giving the same level of stimulus is that going to happen maybe i mean uk property and real estate is a really funny funny market because the, the demand right now is so high it's like so unbelievably high but also getting really good margins is very difficult because the taxation system it penalizes you a lot and it's actually only looking like it's getting worse 
So you've got this really strange dynamic where you could have loads of people wanting to get in, loads of potential activity, but the oh, but there are some factors that are just penalising you. And interestingly, something that came up over, I think the back end of last week, but certainly I read it on the weekend, is that they're looking to introduce measures for for landlords to, I mean, take a step back. There are talks of, I think by 2025, a number of different measures for landlords to be able to guarantee the energy efficiency of their properties. Um, it could have a very, very big effect on landlords' costs. And there is, um, they're talking about, I think it's a grant for, I want to say boiler, uh, boiler replacement systems here in the UK. Um, and I think the grant's supposed to cover about 50% of the actual cost of the work. What I saw as a reaction from the landlord community is a bit of uproar to look and basically say, look, you're stinging us in terms of taxes. It's really, really tough to, to make margins here. Um, but at the same time, you're asking us to make these massive investments in energy efficiency. And effectively, the bottom line keeps getting eroded. Guys, I think in the UK and the US, certainly, that is going to be a massive, massive discussion is going to be about the, the way landlords are trying to protect their, their upside, basically and about the way in which government may react to that and may try to essentially just extract um, a little bit more in terms of tax receipts. It's going to be a massive, massive theme. And it hugely challenges our decisions about whether we should continue to invest in property. It's, for me, probably the biggest um, investment question I'm asking right now. My, my gut feel for what we'd probably try to do is continue to invest, but maybe diversify the portfolio slightly to look at different areas. Um, I think you can still attract good returns by moving into other into other areas. It may not be just the UK, by the way. It could be overseas as well, and there could be a lot of other very, very good reasons to do that. Um, but I just encourage anyone who's kind of looking at property is just to really start doing a bit more homework now to understand the government... Um, environmental uh what the potential environmental requirements for landlords um it's part of our whole commitment to going kind of net zero and have a look at these commitments that they want to enact by about 2025 um it's 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 a really important f factor because effectively when you when you buy property you make your money when you purchase so what you ideally want to go in with is a really clear sense of where you anticipate your expense. Because once you go in, you figure out what, what money you think the property is actually worth given the market and given other factors. You think about what your expense may be and your offer should basically reflect that balance. And so ideally, if you think there could be a really big expense for you, you want to price it in early. Um, it's a really important part of the property investor's mindset and, and, and the way we go about kind of deciding on deals and pricing deals up. So just be aware of it, guys. And it's, it, I think it's just one that if you're not already doing it, have a look at those green requirements because they're coming thick and fast. Um, there's a lot, a lot of um, articles and government publications and community groups that are talking about the potential impact of kind of green home changes on individual investor portfolios. So it's one just to be mindful of. Look, I think net net you still do really well. There are there are many ways in property to kind of get your money out the deal. So you're almost you almost got the property under free rolling. It takes time it and it takes an awful lot longer now than it did previously. 
But I think understanding a bit more about those those ways, those methods, those dynamics is going to be really important for your toolkit. And if you're if you're if you're just looking and interested in property, now is a good time to build that knowledge base because I I think it could be an important one. I'm still going to make the bet on it. Definitely, I'm still going to make the bet on it. But I think I've just got to be a little bit more cautious. And you've probably got to factor in, um, you know, kind of fifty percent more time to get your money out of the deal. You know, and, and and I think if you kind of go in with that type of mindset, you probably you probably do just fine. Um, obviously, provided you've done very smart things like buy the right property in the right area, and you've secured your you know the, your tenants in a smart way, and you manage your portfolio risk very carefully, right? So I think that could happen. Um, yeah, and you know, guys, I th- that is that is the bulk of of what I'm thinking about investing in terms of kind of the the almost the analog world. I think if you've checked out the podcast that I did from um, maybe, I want to say two weeks ago, then you'll have seen I did a quite a long piece on NFTs. So non-fungible tokens and investing in the digital world. You know, I don't, want, I don't really want to cover that in, in any detail here. But what I would do is just encourage you that if you're interested in thinking about what investments look like in the digital sphere, more and more is happening in this space. So I did, as I say, I did the podcast two weeks ago. Um, I was just featured on an episode of the Blockchain Blueprint podcast, um, talking about NFTs, um, NFTs, what NFTs really are, why they could be important for the kind of development of our society and of popular culture, um, how to create value from your assets, how to unlock value. So we've just been having that kind of conversation. I just recently recorded that. So hopefully that's going to be coming out um, fairly soon. So again, as soon as it's out, I'll flag that. And it will be a great chance to go a little bit deeper. There's a lot that can be done. Um, there is a lot, a lot of great investment upside that is being um, extracted in that digital world. I just encourage everybody to do your research. You know, it's the key thing. Read about it. Learn about it. Try to understand a little bit more. Go back to that podcast that we did two weeks ago where I really started talking a little bit more about those NFTs, what they are, what value there could be for you. Because they're... NFTs are coming into the mainstream um, in quite a big way. Just to give you a few examples, so Arsenal Football Club have got one. Like Natsaya, who's one of the biggest YouTube creators in the world, has got an NFT project. Gary Vee, who's probably the world's preeminent um, internet marketeer, has got an NFT project. Shaquille O'Neal, iconic US sports star, has got an NFT project. The US Open um, Tennis project. Uh, about two months ago, launched an NFT project. Major League Baseball NFT project is dropping next week, I think. Um, the UFC NFT project. So it's happening, guys. It's happening. It's not It's not hidden anymore. I think it's happening, but it's just not necessarily always right in front of us. Have a look at these NFTs. Check the podcast out from two weeks ago and drop me a line if you want to know more. And as soon as any of the content that I'm either creating or any shows that we're featured on, as soon as that starts coming out, I'm going to flag it here as well. But, you know, guys, in a nutshell, you know, we've just gone through kind of about 20 minutes of our Q4 investing outlook. And, you know, just to summarise, I think I think cash is going to be a really tricky asset class for us to get too excited about. So we need to think maybe more about, for me, it's going to be about moving more into the asset space. Um, I think conventional investment, conventional savings accounts really aren't doing it for me. The returns just aren't there to be had. I think in terms of, say, stocks or bonds, 
I'm still quite bullish on stocks, you know, equities. Um, but, it, but it's quite a narrow tranche, probably looking more at the tech stocks more than anything else, as opposed to going too broad. Um, bonds will feature in a portfolio for me, but it's maybe to a slightly more limited extent. I'd, I'd rather take a little bit more risk now, potentially. Um, I think when you look at things like real estate, it's always going to be important. Real estate is always going to be tremendous. But there are a lot of different factors, a lot of different interventions coming in now, which make value creation in real estate a little bit trickier. So we need to just be really mindful of those things before we jump in. If you're mindful of the changes and you still like what you see, then I think real estate could easily continue to be a, a really solid market, particularly in an inflationary environment, because obviously in an inflationary environment, that means the price of your asset goes up. So the price of a property goes up. It's all, that's, that's a great thing. Um, and, you know, we've, we've touched on as well more digital goods. So things like NFTs and potential for value creation there. You know, what I'd say is it's a big topic. It require, it does require a fair bit of reading and research. Um, but just jump into the podcast that we did two weeks ago and you're going to see a really good start point there. The only other thing that we, we often look at but haven't spoken about so much here is really kind of gold and silver. So, so thinking about your commodities. Um, gold and silver are, they are tremendously important, tremendously resilient and tremendously reliable. I think what you also probably know is that they've been quite heavily manipulated and the value of those commodities has not necessarily reflected the true scarcity of the commodity nor the nor the appeal of the commodity as, as being something that is backed by quality physical goods. Um, so what that means is, to be honest, I'm, I'm really not sure about why one would jump into gold and silver. I think what it does do is it gives you an incredible backstop. And so I think if you're already investing, absolutely, my gut feel is probably a great time to keep investing. Um, for many people, many of us will always look and say, buy a little bit of gold and silver, just as a kind of, um, because it's, a, it's the closest thing to true physical value. You know, it's, it's, closest, it's the closest thing to money in terms of true physical value is that gold and silver. So that's a great tactic in and of itself. But I think if you were looking to back the truck up and you had like a, a chunk, a lump sum and you wanted to dump it, um, I, I would love to understand why. You know, I'd love to understand what the rationale is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I see why that would be done because gold and silver prices have they've they fluctuated a bit without offering any really significant upside. So you're, you're, you'd be holding them more for insurance. I think if you wanted to do that, you know, hold for insurance, I get it. Um, if you wanted to hold to capture upside, I, I don't quite get it right now. But even then, in this environment, to be honest, holding for insurance is no bad thing at all. Um, it's probably even a very, very good thing. So, yeah, uh, if anyone's doing it, actually, buying a lot of gold and silver, I'd love to know what your thought process is and, and maybe just drop me a line um, and let me know what your thought process is and if you think we should be increasing our gold and silver holding size. That'd be good to know. Um, all right, guys, look, other than that, Hope you found and hope you have a fantastic day ahead. Um, the weather's actually not too bad. The sun's out. Um, it's cold-ish, but the sun's out, which is always quite a nice thing. Um, so hopefully have a fantastic weekend, fantastic week ahead. Do some great reading. Share with us anything that interesting that you're finding that you think actually that's going to help us on towards our avoiding broke goals. And we'll see you next week, same time. Take care, guys. Bye.
for listening. We really hope you enjoyed that episode. We'd love to hear from you, especially any feedback that you have. So please do get in touch. The easiest way is on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. And guys, the the ideas that we cover in this podcast um, are are based on fundamentals that we've been spending time on and covering a book called Avoiding Broke, um, which is available on Amazon. And crucially for us, we are continuously learning. Um, So please, as Leanne says, do send your feedback in. Uh, Share with us any ideas that you have, any comments, questions, and we would love for you to be part of this great journey that we're on um, to improve our financial education and improve our financial life.